This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Rod Hockman, President and CEO of Providence. Dr. Hockman, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Great, great to be with you, Laura. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about, so let's dive in. Um, with COVID-19 being still very, very present on top of people's minds and really CEOs' minds of hospital health systems across the country, what are some of the issues still related to that or otherwise that are consuming most of your time today? So, you know, it's coming in phases, you know, and, and as you know, I've you know, just finished my chairmanship of, uh, at the American Hospital Association, and I think I'm speaking for all of us uh, on the front lines and in, in healthcare, that we really want to get through uh, this last wave. And the best, uh, you know, uh, science that we have is that uh, this will probably be the most significant and last wave that we're going to see at least for a while. So I think most of us are concentrating on how do we get our facilities and our people through this last surge that we're seeing. The good news, as we start to see in, on the East Coast, some of it is uh, starting to subside. So, uh, so still, I think for all of us, it is how do we get through the day-to-day of uh, you know, high census, uh, lots, of, lots of COVID uh, patients that are in, and, um, and where we go from there. So that's, that's number one. And then I think with that on everyone's mind is a workforce. Do we have enough people to take care of those patients that are coming through the door? And most of us are also worrying at the same time about the people that are not coming in the door. And those are the folks that uh, are delaying surgery. We're having to delay it because we don't have room at the hospital. And people are delaying you know, getting the, the care that they need. So the, both of those issues, I think, are consuming a lot of our energy. So workforce, how do we care for those that need to come in post-COVID and getting through this last wave of COVID and getting our people through it, uh, particularly with the number of people that are testing positive, including a lot of our own people. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it's really interesting to think about, especially the workforce aspect of it. Uh, from your perspective, is there anything that Providence is doing differently or, or anticipates having to do in the future, especially looking at, um, you know, the workforce challenges that are across the U.S. and across industries, the great resignation, all of those kinds of things? What are you really seeing as being the workforce of the future for hospitals and health systems? So first and foremost, you know, this is, this is uh, like all hands on deck on workforce. And we're actually having, we have a weekly uh, conference call on the workforce and are planning on that across our whole system, across all seven states. And it really comes in three phases. The first phase is what do we do now to make sure that we can stem the tide as we're going through this wave of COVID? Then what are some of the intermediate solutions that we have to get towards? And a lot of it is how do we create retention? How do we care for the mental health of our people? How do we look at some of the things that make us the place where people want to work other beyond just the salary, you know, in terms of issues like childcare and all of those other issues that are incredibly pertinent to the workforce we're dealing with. So, and then there's a longer term, Laura, that we're all thinking about. How do we train more people in healthcare? Uh, you and I could have this conversation back in 2020 that would have said, we've got a deficit of everything from nurses to OR techs to x-ray technicians that we're going to have to fill. And at the rate we're going, just with the resignations that we were seeing because of the aging out of the workforce, 
we weren't going to get there. Guess what? We've got to do, do things. And so we're doing a lot of planning about how do we build that workforce as we look towards the next couple of years, working with colleges, producing some of our own, on and on and on. There's a long list there. So I think, the you know, when people ask me about 22 and 23, I always say it's about the workforce, the workforce, the workforce. And uh, for us, that's going to be the, 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 the critical issue. And I think almost every health system and executive that you're talking to, and I think speaking for my colleagues, is putting together a plan to look at the short, intermediate, and long-range plan for the workforce in healthcare. That's so interesting to think about. And obviously, a lot of changes that will be happening in the near and distant future. Um, I'm wondering, too, beyond the workforce, what else do you see as being the lasting legacy of COVID-19 on healthcare? Well, there's there's a long list of good things and there's a long list of bad things. <laughs> the good things first. One, you know, you got collaboration like we've never seen before. And today, you know, we have executives and workers, particularly, you know, the, the administrative folks that can work from anywhere. Uh, you know, I could be connected up with my chief medical officers across the system in 10 minutes online. So our ability to work in the virtual world has just been, you know, we have to do it because of COVID, but it's going to be with us. And that involves both the administrative side of healthcare, but also the clinical side, the telehealth. All of these things are here to stay. They're not going to go away, but they're all a product of, of what we've seen with COVID. Second is scientific collaboration. And as someone, you know, who's a clinician, I'm so excited about the fact that today, people routinely from around the world, clinicians and scientists, are able to get together to share data, share information, and really work on what are the next problems that we're going to be seeing. The third thing is that we've recognized that data matters and how we collect it, how we use it, that data collection and data analysis with AI and other tools is going to be critical as we kind of look and navigate healthcare in the future. Four, it's a wake-up call to us about the supply chain. We can't be dependent on supplies that have to come somewhere in China or somewhere in India that are critical to our day-to-day. When you and I talked back in 2020, I think we were struggling to get gloves and gowns and uh, all of the essentials and masks. All of those things, we can't. We, we have to have a longer-term memory to understand that the supply chain needs to be ready and able uh, to be there. And I think that's something we clearly learned from COVID. We also learned from COVID that uh, we've got a fair amount of dysfunction. We've got to think about what our public health system really needs to look like. We need to think about, um, uh, as, as we go forward, how does the CDC and the FDA work more efficiently and what's their messaging? And how do we get better at informing the public but also creating policy that works as we go forward. And I think that's gonna need a lot of attention as we, as we go forward, as we mobilize ourselves. So those are just a few, but there's a, there's a lot of both on the good side and then cautionary notes that we have to learn from uh, what happened with uh, COVID as, as we go forward. That's really interesting to think about. And especially, you know, when you're looking at some of the big changes, the big things in healthcare, 
that need to be solved, whether it's dysfunction in the public health system or how policies created and moved. What's the role of the CEO of hospitals and health systems to really affect some of this change? Is there anything they can do or how can they really be on the forefront of making sure that there are positive rules, policies and uh, uh, connections and collaborations in the future? So I'm a big one that I think health systems have learned through certain things like Civica RX and data consortiums that when they work together, they're much more effective. And they're much more effective as an advocacy voice when we're talking together instead of separately. I think that's where, if I could put a plug in for what I think the AHA, American Hospital Association, has done in the last two years, it's really been able to coalesce the voice of the field in a way that's been effective for us in getting CARES dollars and other advocacy issues with the two administrations as we go forward. But I also think that health system and health system CEOs need to collaborate together on issues that we think are important for the country. And our voice is a lot louder and a lot more coherent when we do it together. So I'm a big believer as we look at the workforce issues that are there, data issues, uh, all of those things need to be a voice that's, uh, that's together, uh, not, uh, not a thousand separate voices that are out there. That's a really great point. And now uh, pivoting a little bit just to look at Providence, how are you thinking about strategic growth and financial growth in the next three years or so? So what I've, I've said, and I've been quoted by all my people, you got to get through 22 to get to 25. I haven't figured out a way that we can avoid 22 to get to 25. And uh, we've looked at, we think 22 is going to be a, a tough year, a lot of rebuilding, a lot of work. Because just because COVID, you know, at least the acute phase of COVID is over, we've got a lot of rebuilding to do. We've worn out our staff financially. We've all been hit tremendously hard by this pandemic. And it hasn't, you know, the, the government hasn't been able to cover all of that. So we've got a lot of work to do in 22. And I'm much more optimistic about what 25 looks like than 22. So what we've been doing is looking at our plan for this year, but also putting together our plan for what we look like in, in 2025. Uh, I, I think there's so much insecurity on the financial side. We see an inflation rate that we haven't seen in 20 years present. And inflation is affecting the uh, provider healthcare sector incredibly. And uh, I don't see our, our rates with the insurers or with the government going up at the rate that our goods and services and labor costs are going up. So that's something that we're going to have to deal with that we're thinking about as we go forward, but will be on the mind of the whole industry as we go forward. But then strategically, we've got to think about what does the healthcare system of the future look like? And what we've been going through an exercise with all our division heads is tell me what we look like in 2025. What does our medical group look like and how are hospitals configured? What partnerships do we need to do? How do we need to use data to really help manage healthcare? What does the workforce look like? Are we going to be doing more work virtually? Can we get doctors and nurses doing the work that they think they really need to do and not be doing some of the other work that are there. So those are a list of 20 things that we have that we're trying to think through as we go forward. And for our part of the industry, as you know, Laura, the provider side of healthcare is incredibly capital intense. 
you know, we're, you know, we have these big institutions that are critical to the health and safety of the country, but they're expensive and they require a lot of capital. We're also incredibly labor intense. You know, we're a people organization. You know, just at Providence alone, we've got 120,000 people that uh, come in every day to, to, to help us work. So being both labor intense and capital intense provides some unique uh, problems and opportunities for us as an industry. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think that really is so important to understand and realize that there are definitely places to be disrupted and um, updates for the future. I, I wanted to know, where do you see some of the biggest opportunities for innovation in healthcare today? I know Providence has been really on the forefront of a lot of different um, initiatives on digital transformation and um, startups and, and different things that you've been working on. So where do you see things going in the future? You know, so we've been talking a lot about Providence about our three Ds. One of the Ds is digitization. So we're believers that the digital progression is going to continue, right? So much more ease with the consumer being able to get online, get appointments scheduled, get the results, get all of those things done, which we expect in other parts of our lives. I think we're going to see that acceleration. And, you know, for us, we've been real believers. And, you know, I always give credit to Aaron Martin, who started us on this journey from Amazon about seven, eight years ago. But we think that has to continue. And we're continuing to throw a lot at that because we think that's where the world's going to go. The second thing around innovation is around how to use data, you know, to improve clinical care, but also improve our business operations. Because once you look at the data, you know, our intuition is right about 50% of the time. So you're going to see Providence doubling down on data and using data to really run its operations much more efficiently, particularly with AI tools. And that's where some of the partnerships with folks like Microsoft and others comes in to really help us do that. The third is that healthcare systems need to diversify their portfolio. So we're ready in long-term care, we're in medical groups, but also we're in the delivery of uh, how you put electronic health records together. Uh, we think revenue cycle is an important thing to really get good at and also do, do together. Uh, today, we have 500 computer engineers in Hyderabad, India, helping us really modernize how we look at data and the IT functions that we have here in this country. And what we're doing is moving a lot of that uh, to our, our, our spot in India. Now, the re people have asked me, why do you do that? We couldn't find the number of computer engineers that we need that we could find in India. So they are now Providence employees that badge in every day in Hyderabad, India that are making us successful. So I think that, that the opportunities on innovation are really to rethink who you are as a health system. And when I think about diversification, digitization, I've also talked about deconstruction. And I think each component of the healthcare system needs to be able to compete with the public market. So whether with ambulatory care, we've got to compete with all of the ambulatory surgery centers that are in the for-profit market. Uh, we've had an insurance company for now over, over 20 years. That has to be able to compete on its own and, and be able to do it. Our medical group is almost 9,000 caregivers. It has to compete competitively 
as a medical group with the optimums of the world and everyone else. So that's how we think we've got to keep innovating, pushing ourselves so that come 2025, we, we look a little different than we are uh, today. And we're a series of uh, really healthcare delivery from ambulatory to long-term, but also in partnership with a number of other folks that are out in the industry. And I think we're gonna be seeing a lot of those partnerships between uh, the, the public sector and the provider sector that, uh, that we represent. Dr. Hockerman, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fascinating discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Great, thanks, Laura.